Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with the respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandma'sCatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Friday, June 3rd. Coming up, how a Missouri bill could change how cities approach housing for the homeless. But first, some headlines. The Missouri Department of Corrections is proposing to pay more than $100 million to settle a lawsuit alleging it underpaid corrections officers. KCUR's Dan Margulies reports. The department is offering to pay $49.5 million in back pay and additional wages of $54 million to resolve the case. If approved by a Cole County judge, the settlement will end nearly a decade of litigation. The case went to trial in 2018, and a jury awarded Missouri prison guards nearly $114 million. The Missouri Court of Appeals upheld the verdict, but the Missouri Supreme Court later ordered a new trial. The guards' lawsuit alleged the Corrections Department did not pay straight-time or overtime wages for pre- and post-shift activities they were required to perform. Missouri lawmakers have already appropriated the back payments. Kansas foster children are still sleeping in office buildings. Blaze Mesa of the Kansas News Service reports the state was supposed to end the practice years ago. 79 foster children slept in office buildings from January 2021 through May of this year. The state was supposed to stop this practice after it was sued four years ago. The lawsuit alleged Kansas foster children were being placed in so many homes or offices that they were essentially homeless. Teresa Woody is with Kansas Appleseed, one of the groups that sued the state. One of the primary things in the settlement agreement was to stop kids from sleeping in offices. Children can sleep in offices, but only for extraordinary reasons. The state said children slept in offices due to COVID infections and not having the right homes to take them. Woody said only COVID would count as extraordinary. More than half of coronavirus deaths in Kansas and Missouri could have been avoided if every adult were vaccinated, according to a new study from Brown and Harvard Universities and Microsoft AI. The study analyzed COVID deaths in the U.S. between January 2021 and April 2022. Microsoft chief data scientist Juan Lavista Ferez says he expects the number of deaths to grow. According to the Kansas Health Department, only 55% of Kansans are fully vaccinated. The CDC says 56% of Missourians have two doses of the COVID vaccine. Ford will hire 1,100 full-time workers in Kansas City. KCUR's Frank Morris reports it's part of a massive investment that will help the company produce more electric vehicles. Ford Motor Company is launching a major expansion of its Kansas City assembly plant just northeast of Kansas City. And Ford executive Kumar Galoldra says it's not just here. We're going to create 6,200 new UAW jobs and invest $3.7 billion in Ford plants across the Midwest. Galoldra says the Kansas City assembly plant will add a third shift, producing the popular transit and e-transit delivery vans, requiring 1,100 new workers and a $95 million investment Ford's also adding jobs in Michigan and Ohio. Most of them involve producing the Ford F-150 Lightning electric pickups in a new battery-powered commercial vehicle. 
In recent years, the federal government has focused on offering free housing as the first step in combating homelessness, and offering funding to communities who want to build housing. But a bill in Missouri would change that approach if it becomes law. The bill is modeled on legislation written by the conservative Texas nonprofit Cicero Institute, and it's similar to several other bills across the country. Rebecca Rivas, reporter for news website The Missouri Independent, wrote about what the bill would mean for people experiencing homelessness in Missouri. She and I spoke about how the bill could complicate things for cities as well. Here's our conversation edited for time. So can you talk about what's in this bill and where it came from? So there are several parts to the bill. What impacts residents statewide is it's a ban on unauthorized sleeping on state-owned land. And after the first offense, a person would be charged or could be charged with a Class C misdemeanor. Then on a local level, what it does is it tells governments who already have a sleeping ban in place that they have to enforce them. And if they don't enforce them, then the attorney general could sue them. And also they could lose state funding. Another thing that it does is that it says that local governments cannot pass any ordinances that essentially reverse that enforcement or reverse those laws. That's kind of on the punitive side. Um, The other parts of the bill are some incentives. Um, It tells local governments that if they decrease their homelessness rates, then they can earn some state bonuses. And they can also apply for funds that create temporary encampments to help people from having to sleep in unsafe areas. So I know that they're trying to create one here in St. Louis where I live, and they're pretty close to it, but it would have some security measures and bathrooms and other kinds of utilities and resources and things like that. Cities or nonprofits could apply to Missouri Housing Development uh, Commission for those funds through grants. So who proposed this bill and why? This bill has brought a lot of questions because this is a template bill that comes from the Cicero Institute. It's a think tank in in Austin, Texas. And essentially, you can go to the website and the, the model bill is there. Any state legislator could take it out and apply it to their own state. The problem with doing legislation that way is that each state is so incredibly different. So what we have now is we have this template language, which people are are now not only just advocates and uh, homeless service providers, but also legislators themselves are trying to understand what this language means in Missouri. So what does it mean to be state-owned land? Is that just land that's owned by state departments or is that land in Missouri. And also in other states, a lot of cities and municipalities already have bans locally, but Missouri really doesn't. So does that mean that this will now impose ordinances on local governments? I think there's just a lot of questions on how it's going to be implemented and who's going to enforce this law. So how does this bill differ from the federal approach to combating homelessness? Well, there's there's one part of the bill that states that nonprofits and cities can go and apply for the grants for the temporary encampments or or for mental health services resources. And that money that they would use for those grants will be taken away from permanent housing options. So the state won't be funding permanent housing through, through state funds. And the questions that advocates have is, what does that mean, state funds? Because it includes federal funds in the definition. The, the, the group that wrote the language, the Cicero Institute, 
is very opposed to the housing first model, which is the federal government's model of prioritizing permanent housing for people who are experiencing homelessness. And this model would focus on getting people into temporary encampments. They believe that you want to try to get people into a safe place to sleep, which is great, but I think advocates agree that's, that's, that's a good plan, but they also believe that you have to have that second step for permanent housing. And if we don't, then what are we gonna do in two years when the people can't live in the permanent encampments anymore? So the big question, especially right now, is that the state is getting unprecedented funds from COVID relief money, and that could be used to do incredible things for affordable housing in various states. But Missouri, that could be a big challenge for us going forward. We might not be able to take that step. Those, that's a, that not my opinion, but from, from various advocates and uh, homeless services providers that I spoke with. So what kind of impact could this bill have on people who are experiencing homelessness? I think one of the biggest things that this bill could do is that if somebody does get a Class C misdemeanor on their record um, or they have to pay a fine because they violated the state ban, then they won't be able to put that money towards uh, their first payment of rent or various other things that, that they need in their lives. And so it could just be a big setback for them to get out of um, a place where they're experiencing homelessness. That is one way. I think that also it could be positive in that it provides more mental health services at these encampments, and it could provide immediate relief for people who you know, don't have a good option for where they can go to live. In some cities like St. Louis, you know, people who are working nights or have dogs or have various other unique situations, they can't go into regular shelters. So they are kind of left to either create their own encampments, which sometimes might not be completely safe or have all of the bathroom needs and things that they need to keep clean and healthy. So this could help those folks who are having unique experiences to have immediate um, places to live. The only thing is, is that there is no new funding. This doesn't create any new state funds for homeless services. So the people who are applying for those state grants right now, if they award them to temporary encampments, that means that they're not awarding it to other programs that are currently existing. Um, so it's not an additional thing that will be done. It will be instead of something else. So where did the idea for these temporary encampments come from? So the idea came from a camp in Austin, Texas called Esperanza Camp. And there they have essentially like tiny homes where people can stay and there's resources, there's a community kitchen. And I know that the two legislators who sponsored this bill went down to visit and they were just in awe of the services that people were receiving and the quality of life they were experiencing. So I know from what they told me that that was something that they wanted to bring here to Missouri. Um, so that was a big you know, incentive for them to push forward this bill. And I think they've gotten a lot of praise for that and they've gotten a lot of support for that piece. But the piece that they got a lot of opposition for was all of the punitive measures because um, there's not a lot of funding for these services in Missouri. So to add the punitive measures without adding more funding, it just creates more challenges um, for, for the people who are doing this work to accomplish those goals. That's 
a lot of the testimony that they received during the committee hearings was basically those kinds of comments. So how could this bill affect rural areas? In a lot of the rural areas throughout the state, there aren't shelters. So their solution really is affordable housing. And they're very worried about how this bill could impact their future of finding solutions to create more affordable housing because of the way that the funding port portion is worded, that you cannot use state funds for the construction of permanent housing. And I think that just has a lot of people asking questions about what that means and what it'll mean for their future. And some opponents of the bill say that it could face some legal challenges, and, and you mentioned that in, in your story. Can you talk more about that? One question is, can people be punished for sleeping outside on public property if there aren't adequate solutions? According to a U.S. Court of Appeals in the Ninth District, in a 2018 case, they can't. So I think some attorneys will be trying to point to that case and say, you know, in certain areas of the state where there's not adequate beds or shelters, can people really receive a citation or, or jail time or anything that would come out of this bill? That still has a lot of questions. I think people are really diving into the language and the definitions within the bill to see um, how that would be implemented and whether there is a viable legal challenge. So what is the status of this bill? Do we know whether it will become law? This bill is a big bill that includes a lot of different pieces of other legislation. So it was created as an amendment towards the end of the session. And the base bill is actually pretty, has a lot of support. So it's unclear whether the governor is going to sign the bill or not. Um, I think a lot of people would like to see him somehow uh, you know, veto this portion of the bill, but I don't think that's possible. I think it's either all or nothing, and there's a lot of other pieces of the bill that people like. So it's unclear whether the governor is going to sign the bill or not. That was Rebecca Rivas, reporter for the Missouri Independent. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This podcast is produced by Byron Love, Trevor Grandin, and KCUR Studios, and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Rebecca's story on the homeless camp bill, visit kcur.org, where you can find more news from Kansas City's NPR station. On Monday, we'll hear from a new progressive political organization in Kansas. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. 